is this, this, this has nothing to do with Republic, Republican talking boards or the pharmaceutical industry. It has to do with the friends we make along the way. <laughs> and with the power of friendship, there's nothing we can accomplish. You're right, Bennett Bear. Thanks. <laughs> so that was the governor, Governor Bennett, who Sean Senator says. Bennett. Senator Bennett. Of okay. Colorado. But Sean says he sounds like a cartoon bear, because he does. He kind of has that that look of a cartoon but bear, we did too. Get quite and a, he's a bit of a slow talker. But we got quite a few texts that wondered if uh, if uh, candidate Bennett could have a discussion with Elizabeth Holmes. There is a lot of <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes in that, where <laughs> she's very much kind of down here, right, right with Elizabeth Holmes. oddly up here. He's got similar tonal resonance, but he's more of an up talker. <laughs> Like a cartoon how, how bear. Would you, yeah. How would you have regulated uh, Theranos? Well, I think it's important. Wait, I, I went into the weird southern thing there. <laughs> right. I, I don't know why you did that. The key is... We don't talk like that around the, uh, the Bay Area. <laughs> one of the candidates needs to get the cartoon bear candidate to laugh, because I want to hear if his laugh... <laughs> or something like that. Right? Some cartoonish laugh. That would complete laugh. the picture. <laughs> yes. Yes. Senator Bennett, uh, what is your view on the regulation of honey pots? <laughs> I think there should be honey in every pot. <laughs> That's going to hold him back. We can't have we can't have a president trying to stand up to President Xi, who sounds like a cartoon bear. Right. Well, he's been President Xi, often compared to Winnie the Pooh. Right. Maybe we need to have a cartoon bear off. Bear on bear violence. <laughs> she looks like a cartoon bear. Bennett sounds like a cartoon. Bear. <laughs> All right then. Ah, oh, boy. Ah, oh, golly. You know, uh, his, uh, when he finally spits out his ideas to the other woodland creatures, uh, Bennett's, he's a smart guy and thoroughly... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, he impressed me many, many times. All right, Jack, two non-top tierers who are going to last for a long time. Oh, boy, I don't know about that. Um, or, or you kind of sort of hope to. For me, it's never mind the Bullock, Steve Bullock from Montana. He's moderate. He's a governor. He's not a he's not a, a slick talking DC twit. I'd he's, probably go Delaney and Ryan. Wow. Do you yeah. guys consider Yang? Can you tell them the, apart? Oh, yeah, at Yang, all? Yang, I like being around. Definitely like he, he Bullock and always, Yang. He's always interesting. Always. Yang always points out something that nobody else is going to talk about. I'm afraid Bullock and Yang sounds like a guy's nickname for his genitals. But <laughs> other than that, it's for me. It's a Bullock and Yang. Don't name your body parts, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, who is advising you? I, I know. I know, Joe. I'm sorry. That was Joe Scarborough's take on last night's debate where they spent about an hour about an hour beating up on uh, the most popular president in a very, very long time, Barack Obama. But not among Democrats. Nine, oh, sorry. 97% <laughs> approval rating among, among Democrats, and they were beating on Barack Obama. So why wouldn't you beat the bejesus out of them all night long? That was just bizarre. Look, this Joe Biden. This Joe Biden character was the vice president for, to me, the George Wallace of the 21st century Barack Obama. The first two analysts last night on the debate after it ended on MSNBC. So the first two analysts, they got a moderate Democrat, former senator, and they got Joy Reid, you know, as part of the whole woke AOC division. And they both said they could barely watch the debate, almost had to turn it off. Wow. Because the beating up on Barack Obama part was just turning them both off. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, this is some breaking news. This is just d- d- disappointing and surprising. Woodstock 50 has officially been canceled. 
<laughs> the summer's almost over. You've been you've been you arguing you've been arguing about where you were going to put this and who was going to be there, then 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 moving it to a different spot with different acts and everything like that all summer long. I guess now that summer's basically over, you've decided. I guess we can't have a Woodstock fifty. And who cares? All right, there are plenty of rock festivals. Yes, but this one is named Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, boomers, uh, have your doctor adjust your medicine or something. It's giving you delusions. Nobody cares. Well, and you need young people at uh, these sorts of things, and I'm, I'm just not sure the average I'm going to go to a festival 21-year-old. Like, my niece is at uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago. Oh, I wish I was. Um, sort of. But if you're 21, <laughs> Woodstock's a, a, an historical event, if you're aware of it at all. It right. certainly has no meaning to you. Right. Like the Hindenburg, but with Jimi Hendrix. I mean, they have a vague idea what it was. So Woodstock is where Hendrix famously played the Star Spangled Banner on the guitar, but not the place where he lit his guitar on fire? I don't know. All, Monterey Pop all that okay. stuff is so overrated. Yeah. Freaking baby boomers in their cultural yeah, touchstones. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> really... I think he was watching all that debate stuff the last couple of nights. I've just I've become unhinged. I just can't take it anymore. They got There's all these people taking all this crap so seriously, and yet they don't make any sense. They're phonies, and I just I don't know. I can't take it anymore. And as we just discussed with a guy who knows more about it than than, than almost he teaches classes on it at Stanford. Right. He's advised major candidates. He agrees they don't really do anything. So aren't they? They're, they're well. They can. See, that's the thing. Usually they don't, but they can. Well, lots of things can. And it, it, to me, it's it's some sort of anachronism, or I'm not sure it ever mattered. It got blown up when TV was the only thing we had to do, or something. It, it seems a little anachronistic at this point. We have access to everybody's opinions all the time. They can yeah. debate. They can debate on Twitter or YouTube or all kinds of different things. Right. Well, it, we don't need them to get on the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite and have a debate. We don't need that anymore. Well, if I were to offer a quibble, which I do so often, it would be that I think there is a role for everybody focusing on it than talking about it kind of at once. Well, they got to completely remake the the way we've been talking about for years. Let's have a healthcare night, and you all that, sit around right. the table and present your things. And guess what? You can have notes. And you and you. Oh no, no, no notes allowed, and only thirty seconds. Did Idiotic. you know that? I didn't know that till Brian Williams told me last night. You're not allowed to walk out there with notes, right? So Give me a break. Because the president doesn't get to have notes in the Oval Office. What? That's oh, what, what I'm sorry. What was that? that? Oh, oh, that's right. The president has reams of notes, uh, advisors, stadiums full of advisors. That's right. It's all about judgment and and uh, you know an over overarching philosophy. That's what it is. A character, perhaps, uh, right? You're not allowed Enthusiasm. to run. You're not allowed to walk out there with notes. I mean, I, how do you even make up something that ridiculous? That'd be unfair to some principle that I can't quite put my finger on. <laughs> well, and not only that, but and and CNN quite correctly is is getting the kicking they deserve for in, in their desperate desperate attempt to get any ratings for anything, uh, making it all about, uh, you said something mean about her, what do you say now? Hey, oh, oh, did you hear what he just said? What do you have to say about him? It's childish and stupid. Now, granted, a lot of the electorate's childish and stupid, so I kind of get it, but why not have everybody, look, you've got two minutes. Why should you be president? We'll go around the horn. All right, in reverse order now, given what you've just heard, what else would you like to say? 
Right. And then maybe say, all right, you know, one of the key aspects of, of most people's concerns about the future is health care. Give us a brief idea of what you would do on health care. Oh, and maybe what do you think of the incumbent guy? Just have like five rounds. It'd take an hour maybe. And then you send everybody home. Right. That'd be perfectly fine. And and you'd get more out of it. I don't Corey know. Cory Booker said that you're a racist. What do you say to that? I disagree. Um, I think Cory Booker's a bug-eyed fool, and he drops too many S-bombs, huh? Put There's it a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid, and you don't even know the flavor. Yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> Ooh, zing! It's a Did zinger people fest. say that in the, uh, the, this, this community? It's a zinger fest. How about fest? his S-bomb? Why haven't we played that? Why are you covering up for him, Sean? <laughs> Is it white privilege or something? <laughs> so I've got it. it. You want it? Yeah. I heard the vice president say that. If you've got a Ph.D., you can come right into this country. Well, that's playing into what the Republicans want, to pit some immigrants against other immigrants. Some are from whole countries, and some are from worthy countries. You know, that is so stupid and unfair. You're pitting immigrants against each other by having a policy that says those who are most likely to contribute to the country get in, those most likely to end up on welfare and just suck the taxpayer dry, they don't get in. Is in is, that's pitting them against each other? It's that's an idiotic argument. It's also the minority opinion of the of the whole country. Um, uh, the, I was going to say, oh, getting back to the why do we do it this way? I just I I don't I don't get it. It's being president's got nothing to do with being how quick you can get a one liner off. Nope. And the, the, and memorize various things. It'd be like if you chose your husband or wife on spelling bees. Here's, here's, a, here's a skill that's got nothing to do with being a good husband or wife, but whoever wins the spelling bee, right. that's who I'm going to marry. It's Very as, impressive. It's as stupid. I should stop asking my first dates if they know how to spell chrysanthemum. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so, listen, you know, if you want to be a, a, a smart person, um, and who doesn't, here's, one of the, here's the smart person thing. Don't assume that what is has to be, or there's a good reason for it being the way it is necessarily. I mean, the penal code. There are some pretty good reasons. If you get, uh, if you break the law, you get punished. That sort of thing's perfectly fine. But why a debate is formatted the way it is? There's no good reason for that. It's just some TV producer in 1960 thought, "Huh, how are we going to do this?" Kennedy and Nixon. I mean, what do we, what do we want to do? And they came up with a format, and then everybody's so cowardly and lemming-like they followed it through the years. Put us in charge of it for for one election cycle. Yeah, I was trying to find the, there's a there's a Washington Post article today about how CNN's got it all wrong and it's just a dumb way to do it. Well, it is dumb. I would and, I, and it doesn't have much effect. This may be more wishing than actual analysis, but I would be very surprised if the networks in the next presidential debate have anything to do with these debates or oh, really? presidential run. Yeah, I think huh. I think the the parties, the RNC and the DNC are going to just have their own YouTube channels, and they're just going to host their own things. Why wouldn't you do that? So the idea of everybody has five minutes to present their case for being president, okay, I like that idea better than what the debates are, but that doesn't need to happen on one night on one stage, and you don't have to, like, practice it and get it right. Well, Put together your necessary. video. Like I said, I think there's usefulness to it, but it's not necessary. Yeah, I think it's all being looked through the through the lens of, because it's been this way, we have to have a night where they all get on a stage. Well, we don't. Right. There's just no necessary need for it. Maybe let's do the American Ninja Warrior course. <laughs> Who do you like? Yang oh, seems useful. Tulsi Gabbard, absolutely. Oh, yeah, she'd clearly win. The military gal? Oh, Pete as well. Military Pete, yeah, those two, yeah, those two would be your leaders. Yeah, Mayor Pete. Plus, he's light. 
The lighter you are, the less arm strength you need. It's the unspoken truth of the ninja competition. and they're not 80. (laughs) The 80-year-olds are just going to stand there. I'm supposed to jump over and grab that. (laughs) I like the text last night I saw that said, uh, does Mayor de Blasio have any control over that one arm? It just waves around in the air. Wow. Wow. Yeah, what a crackpot he is. Go away. I consider that a victory. He's the mayor of New York, so he gets to be a big deal. Right? Whatever. That's enough of that. New York's crumbling. Congrats to Blasio. Our freaking sky-high Marxist, you. (laughs) Our text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. Got a couple of things that are probably important, like how to protect yourself after the Capitol. One data breach, the number one thing that we all need to do, including me, because I'm part of that. I mentioned Woodstock as important. Yeah, who cares? And uh, also, <laughs> a, a sheriff and an immigration rights activist debating at a council meeting. Ooh. See which point of view you prefer. Okay, like it. On the way, on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What heavy slow jams of, uh, who is this again? Vanilla Fudge. Oh, right. From the new Quentin Tarantino movie. Yes. So you think you know how loopy uh, politics are in Cal Unicornia? This is a beautiful example of how it plays out. This is Contra Costa County. It's in the northern part of the state, for those not familiar. Uh, it's the Bay Area of California. You got the sheriff testifying before something called, well, I'll get to the name because it's part of the story, but they're talking about deputies in Contra Costa, Contra Costa County complying with requests for information about inmates from ICE. These removable aliens who are believed to be eligible for deportation, um, immigration officials filed about 508 of these. Deputies responded to about a quarter of them, and some of were, some of them were repeats for um, particularly bad guys or whatever. Um, so that's what they were talking about. And uh, in cases where the form was completed, those inmates allegedly had prior convictions for serious crimes. There were also three convicted child molesters, two rapists, and um, this Angela Chan with the legal advocacy group Asian Americans Advancing Justice Asian Law Caucus, or ADJALC. It's a good acronym. Pointed out that roughly, well, anyway, so she was there arguing the point. So this forum is known as the Truth Forum, designed by the legislature of Cal Unicornia. The Boy, Truth I walk into anything forum. called the Truth Forum, and I expect to hear a lot of crap. I guarantee you. <laughs> George friggin' Orwell himself is oh going to be sitting God. there. Oh, my God. Jack, that's the transparent review of unjust transfers and holds. Act passed by Cal Unicornian, uh, where any department that has any contact with ICE has to notify the public on an annual basis. So this activist Chan gal points out that not every county in California has to hold these forums, truth forums, because some have stopped working with ICE, and Contra Costa County would, should do the same. And Supervisor Karen Mitchoff stood up for virtually everyone with any sense and said, are you saying that you think these type of individuals should just not be turned over to ICE? Chan says, 
when that individual happens to be an immigrant, we subject them to double punishment, and it doesn't address the public safety concern. Mitchoff said, I'd argue it does. And the activists in the crowd booed as Mitchoff tried to argue her case. And um, Mitchoff said, uh, my constituents are not concerned about these individuals. Someone who's a convicted child molester should be let go and not turned over to ICE? That's your position? Yes, said Chan. These individuals have served their time. So if somebody sneaks into the country illegally and rapes children... The activist community says you should let them go back into the community. Understand who you're dealing with. Mitchoff was saying that's crazy. One woman at the hearing accused her of supporting white supremacists. The sheriff said it's difficult to sit here and hear advocates with a straight face say some of these people who have been convicted of serious and violent felonies should not be reported to ICE. My job is to protect the families of Contra Costa County. I'll do that in whichever way I feel is appropriate under the law. That's because you're a racist, shouted another activist in the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, you think you know how crazy progressive politics have become. You don't have any idea. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Two prime targets at last night's Democratic debate, Joe Biden and Barack Obama. And Americans' opinions on high-tech and social media take a dramatic turn. Nah, that doesn't surprise me. I want to see those poll numbers. to go to Woodstock 50. Now it's been canceled. That was my entire summer vacation plan. That was the big thing I was going to do. Woodstock, so sorry. I was going to wear tie-dye and a headband. Oh, twirl, you get, get, get naked and muddy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's going to protest the Vietnam War and Johnson. Smoke really weak I cannot <laughs> picture you in tie-dye. I, I, I tried to do it. I just, Boy, that I, is. You're right. Yeah. Do they make denim tie dye? Is that a thing? <laughs> well, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, we made tie dye constantly in art class because all our teachers were hippies from the you know sixties. Right. So. Oh, that's right. a beautiful art form. Uh, sure. Yeah, my kids don't make tie dye T shirts all the time like we did. We're always making tie tie dye T shirts and singing Peter Paul and Mary songs in music class. <laughs> Another wonderful childhood memory. Did you make a lot of candles? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I made oh, a lot yeah. of candles yeah. too. Yeah, and I liked yeah. it. It was fun, but it was. Very, yeah. very hippie of the time. Taking a lot of Puff the Magic Dragon. Oh, yeah, of course. Hey, excuse yeah. me, Mrs. Holweet. Uh, we got electricity right. now. <laughs> Why are we making all these candles? <laughs> Mrs. Holweet? <laughs> Mr. Oh. Wheat Germ. Oh, my God. <laughs> News now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the ideological divisions gripping the Democratic Party intensifying as the presidential candidates waged a uh, rather acrimonious battle over health care, immigration, and race. Former Vice President Joe Biden repeatedly forced to defend his decades-old political record against pointed attacks from his rivals, including attacks on his ties with former President Obama's policies. Yet Senator Cory Booker and New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio teaming up on Biden about the number of deportations carried out during the Obama administration. Did you say those deportations were a good idea? Or did you go to the president and say, this is a mistake, we shouldn't do it? Which one? I was vice president. I am not the president. 
I keep my recommendation in private. Unlike you, I expect you would go ahead and say whatever was said privately with him. That's not what I do. What I do say to you is he moved to fundamentally change the system. That's what he did. That's what he did. But much more has to be done. Much more has to be done. I still don't hear an answer. Senator Booker, please respond. Well, a couple things. First of all, Mr. Vice President, you can't have it both ways. You invoke President Obama more than anybody in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient and then dodge it when it's not. So there you go. As uh, many pundits have pointed out, what the hell were you thinking? What are you doing? So you're being up on Obama's health care and immigration policies. And not screaming and yelling about Trump's. Right. That hardly came up. As Republican talking points, who is advising you? During another point in the debate, though, the uh, New York mayor, Bill de Blasio, declared loud and proud. If we're going to beat Donald Trump, this has to be a party that stands for something. This has to be the party of labor unions. This has to be the party of universal health care. This has to be the party that's not afraid to say out loud, we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. There and you go. We're going to fundamentally change this country. Mm-hmm. All right. Because right, uh, it's done so poorly thus far. Re, re, just in case you're you know, tuning in and you don't know what happened, Washington Post declared Trump the winner of last night's debate. Mm-hmm. The main theme being that the candidates spent a lot of time beating up on Barack Obama. And each other, of course. Who is the most popular Democratic right. president since FDR. Uh, and uh, not a lot of time beating up on Trump. So the winner last night, according to the Washington Post, was Trump. Meanwhile, this just coming in, the big compromise budget deal is heading to President Trump's desk after getting passed by the Senate. A number of Republicans expressed their concerns about soaring deficits and debt. The bipartisan two-year deals pushing the possibility of big spending disputes passed. The 2020 election. The Democrats won, the Republicans won, the taxpayers lost. It gets past the election, and Trump tweeted today that there's plenty of time for cuts. I I wish I believed that after the next election, uh, the government will get serious about spending. But they say that constantly, and there's always another election. It's two years away on the day the election happens. And every day it gets closer, so you're less than two years away the next day. Right. And uh, then you get to start saying, well, we're just a month and a half away from an election. And you're back into the cycle again. Yep. Americans' view of technology companies is significantly more negative than it was just a few years ago. Have a new Pew Research Center poll finding that 50% now view those companies as having a positive effect on the U.S., That is down, though, from 71% just four years ago. Mm. At the same time, negative views of their impact on the country have doubled from 17% to 33%. It took us a while to catch on. Yep. We just, I don't know, it seems silly now, but I remember when Google and Facebook, they just had this... This this shine to them. It's just just kind of a happy, cool thing you've done just out of the goodness of your heart created these things for us. Well, and our slogan is, do no evil. That's so sweet. I wonder why you'd make a claim like that. Maybe to distract from all the evil? <laughs> the Pew poll uh, found that 55% of Americans think tech companies do indeed, though, have too much power and influence. And up in the sky, far, far away, a super-Earth has been discovered. It is 31 light-years away from our own solar system. Good, I'm leaving old crappy Earth and going to super-Earth. 
The potentially habitable planet orbits a dwarf sun about every 56 days. It's about six times... Little sun. Yeah, that's not going to age well. Yeah, dwarf uh, sun, oh... The uh, super-Earth is about uh, six times larger than Earth. Astronomers think it could maintain liquid water on its surface with a thick atmosphere. Though without well, I like that, a good thick atmosphere. I think it's got talking giraffes. Who's going to prove me wrong? Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? Telescopes are expected to begin orbiting the super-Earth in 2021. They're going to have 31 light years away? That's what they're saying. Oh, wait a minute. The, the telescopes can't be orbiting it. Yeah. They're saying telescopes are expected to begin orbiting the super Satellites? Earth in 2021. We can't. No, 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 no. In, in two years, we're going to have something 31 light years away that's orbiting it? No, if it's it not. it travels at the speed of light, it'll take 31 years. <laughs> you sure that's about that? That's what that is. I'm going to have to do some research. <laughs> Marshall, that story was written badly. I'm not going to blame you, you've been duped, you've this been jobbed, no, you've been conned, this you've been was, humiliated. This was a copy and paste, and I left that last line in there on purpose. There's nothing yeah. wrong with the short news cat. <laughs> Michael. Thank you for that reminder once again, Michael. All right. Bring the bird over here. Ah, squawky. We'll be to something 31 light years away in two years. That's like me when my friends text me, where are you? No matter where I am, I'm about seven minutes out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was once upon a time, a number of years ago, I got four teeth yanked at once. They were my wisdom teeth. Four teeth pulled. This little Indian boy has me beat. Did you hear about this? No. You seen this? No. No. How many teeth do you think he had pulled, Jack? I don't, I don't want to think about it. How old is he? He's uh, seven. Oh, man. I got he a seven-year-old. He had to have some teeth pulled. How many would you say? How many would you guess? There's quite a few. I don't, eight. I don't Wrong. Know. Not even close. 526. Oh, okay. Well, there's a problem there. Five, well, he, open your mouth. I think you you may have composite odontoma. He uh, he was complaining about mouth pain, and when doctors took x-rays, they found a sack in his jaw filled with abnormal teeth. Oh. He had a total of 526 teeth, ranging in size from 0.1 millimeters to around a half an inch. Boy, those are Tiger Woods teeth. 500 teeth in his mouth. Yeah, um, they don't know if it's genetics or radiation or a superpower or what, but he's he's more comfortable now. That's know. wild. Don't know. Poor little lad. Don't know I'm how, glad he got the help he needed. Don't yeah. know how you would use that superpower to fight crime. Maybe you just, you know, walk around and, and, and spit teeth into the mouths of the toothless. I have 100 teeth in your mouth. Poor little kid. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Oh, I'm just Diane tweeted, I don't have kids. Is that too many? <laughs> uh, love you, Diane. Love you. Fantastic. Oh. Armstrong and Getty. So this song was This song was featured prominently on yet another country music awards show last night with uh, Little Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus singing this song that is absolutely everywhere and all the time and uh Interestingly enough, this little nasty dude, uh, who's a gay black man, can't dance. I watched oh, him. Wow, that's, uh, that's he dances like me. You're gay and black and can't dance. Maybe you're just really good at dancing. You don't know it. 
Um, There's trafficking and unfortunate uh, stereotypes there. But not comfortable with that. Any, mm-hmm. Anyhow, if stereotypes are okay as long as it's a positive thing. No, <laughs> wrong. You know um, nothing about intersectionality. You haven't taken a single woke studies class, have you, Ignoramus? So here's a BBC report on that very popular song. The song Old Town Road, a mashup of banjos and bass, has broken the record for longest stretch at the top of the U.S. Billboard record chart. Lil Nas X's hit has now spent 17 weeks at number one. That's longer than Despacito in 2017. Or One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys 11 Men in 1995. <laughs> BBC News. Boys, Boys 11, 11 Men. men. Kind I of think it's a two. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you want? Exactly. Accuracy in news reporting. That's what I want. Do we still have that Paul Harvey uh, thing about John Earthwhistle of the WHO? No, it doesn't matter. My favorite line from Old Town Road is, you can't tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing. (laughs) I love that. I've never heard the whole thing. Oh, you haven't? No. It's catchy, too, no doubt. Oh, yeah. I've heard the chunks I've heard. It's charming. I just, I'm not sure where I'd get it. (laughs) I know how to get it. I'm just not sure how that would occur during my normal day. Right. My kids are into it, so I play it regularly. Yeah. Well, there's one. There's a line in there my wife really doesn't like. I'm hearing about the whole... See, I, I, I'm not good at getting the radio edits all the time hmm. if I dial up my Apple Music or whatever. Right, right. And in the in the regular version, he says boobies in the nighttime and something else in Great the daytime. Great Scott. They bleep that out of the, the radio edit. Boobies. Something about boobsies, boobies. One of the reasons it's one of the more friendly words to use for it. (laughs) That reminds me, my kids came across an old timey cartoon or something like that, or TV show. Yeah, God, I don't know what it was. It could have been Three Stooges, but some old timey show where somebody called somebody else a boob, and they (laughs) thought that was just tears running down their cheeks. Funny. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So now they're regularly into that. Oh, you boob. I actually used the term, I was about to swear the other day, and then I realized, oh, this is not a good setting for that. And I actually used the term lunkhead, Hmm. which was, you know, speaking of going back some. My son uses all kinds of, my seven-year-old son, who's got interesting views of the world all the way around, walking down the street, uh, walking down a sidewalk, and a a nice old lady says something to him, like, oh, you know, some nice old lady thing, something like that. We're walking by, and he whispers outside, lunatic. I want so badly to hang with your son. She's a nice, kindly old grandma. Yeah. She's not a lunatic. So so getting back to Little Nazix's song uh, being the number one song for the longest time, with the new rules, any remix of it counts. Oh, and there's a there's so, hundred remixes. Yeah, and and everybody who, who's either got a name or a little production chops or whatever unleashes a new remix and spends another week. Whatever. If that matters to you, I'm. I hope you're okay. Um, what song has the record for this or that? Yeah, I remember when I used to care about that, and I do. I have one memory of bringing up something like that to my mom. I think it was, and she was like, "Oh, that's nice." I'm like, "Wow, how do you feel to appreciate the significance of this? What's the matter with you?" This is a big hit. This is a hit record. <laughs> so, boy, we got a lot of great uh, emails from, from y'all's uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com on a number of topics, one or two of which I'd like to share with you. Uh, Navy Tom writes, how many of these Democratic candidates are serious? And I'm not talking about the unicorn wishing ones. I'm talking about the ones who are taking shots at the unicornian candidates. 
I propose the following. While they uh, are taking shots at the unicorn candidates, uh, join the race hoping they would catch fire, they now remain at the behest of Democrat elders who know that their best shot to beat Donald Trump is Vice President Biden. Now, Joseph, he's addressing me. I know you think he's going to flame out, but the other serious unicorn-wishing candidates are pitching ideas that make zero financial sense, and the Democratic elders know it. Now, Vice President Biden himself just can't take them on by himself. So the editor, uh, so the elders convinced some of the candidates to take on the unicorn wishers to help Biden win the nomination. Do you think that's possible? Hmm. I don't know. That's that's definitely getting into three-dimensional chess territory. But Yeah, I think they just have standards for how many donations you've got and how you look in the polls. But uh, you're right. That's a useful function of the... Bullocks and the the Bennets and the you know the other moderates that would require. Oh, I'm sorry, night one, uh, Delaney and Ryan, Tim Ryan. Yeah, that assumes a level of coordination and competence that I don't think exists in the DNC. Sometimes yeah. people get into the race not expecting to win; just they want to get their their side of the conversation represented. That's why Rand Paul got in. He wanted to stand up for fiscal, you know, responsibility. Lindsey Graham, the non-intervention. Lindsey Graham never thought he would run for president and ran last time because he thought there was way too many interventionists getting all the attention, and he wanted somebody standing up for, you know, being in Iraq. I think he got it backwards. Lindsey Graham, non-interventionists. Yeah, Lindsey right. Graham was in there to say, no, this is why right. we need to be in Iraq and fight these wars, and nobody was representing that. Countering so Rand Paul got in just for that reason. Yeah. yeah. So there are some candidates that do that. I, I wonder how many of them are serious about running. Because I've read enough books about people running for president and them all saying that it's the most devastating blow they ever took in their lives. Mm. If you're fully in, you think you can win, you dedicate every moment of your life for years to trying to win, and you're rejected. Apparently, from what I read, it's just devastating. I mean, it's like you sit alone in a dark room for months trying to recover from it. Whether you're Mitt Romney or, <laughs> I do Bob, that already. or Bob Dole or Hillary Clinton or any of these people. How many of those people on stage are in that category, though, who are all in, actually think they can win? There's only a handful. I think that's changed. I think the modern candidate is one of those folks you described. Or a publicity seeker, or a would-be cabinet member, or a would-be uh, cable news commentator, or whatever, and they they take it way more like lightly. Yeah, I think. I bet Elizabeth Warren's all in. I doubt. I doubt when uh, Andrew Yang is Andrew. Yeah, when yeah. Yang yeah. Uh, doesn't get the nomination, no. I doubt he sits in a room in the dark. No, for I don't think he will either. Licks his wounds. Right. Hey kids, it's that time again. With Armstrong and Getty. I think if Biden were to get rejected, I'll bet that's a pretty big blow to his life. Third time of running and Yeah, I think at this point, Joe, you gotta say they don't want me. <laughs> he doesn't have much left that he has to worry about, probably. Yeah. Here's your oh. host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Dark. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody. There he is, our producer, a positive Sean. Final thought? Yeah, just uh, reiterating my my prediction, I want it on the record. I think this will be the last time that major cable networks have anything to do with presidential debates. I think it will go internet from here on out. Because they're so sucky at it? Yeah. Michelangelo in the control room, final thought. All right, got to eliminate um, all these candidates. How about just a good old-fashioned foot race or a drag race? The first, you know, top five win, put them on stage. A drag race. A huh. drag race, yeah. Uh, Marsh Phillips, final thought. Well, I'll tell you, after slipping through five hours of Democratic debates, my final thought is, thank God they're over for oh, yeah, a while. No, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. 
Jack, final thought? I just wonder where it's... If the polls don't move much, and I don't think they're going to out of these debates, and if Biden continues to have like a 20-point lead, what are these other candidates going to do? What's their... Trying to tear the old man down. What's their road to climbing over him? I don't know how that's going to happen. Uh, my final thought is we're about to record a, uh, a uh, extra-large podcast with Molly Hemingway, who's a terrific, really smart person, and you can get the extra-large podcasts. You can get the One More Thing podcast, which is like another um, kind of extra-long segment to the show we do virtually every day, wherever podcasts are given away for free. Uh, just, you know, Google our search on Armstrong and Getty at your, your podcast center of your choice. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up Podcast-atorium. another castatorium, huh? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks for a little time. Here's what you do: go to armstrongandgetty.com. All the clicks we talked about are there. The links also. If you'd like to email us, offer your opinion, or you see something you think, yeah, the fellas ought to be talking about this. Send it along. Armstrong and Getty. I'm sorry, mailbag at Armstrong and Getty. That was a little Joe Biden moment there. So you're saying, Marshall, I've spent like 10 hours of my life this summer watching these oh. debates. Yes, indeed. That's something I'll regret on my Yep. I'll regret that on my deathbed. Next round coming up in September. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's good. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just... Change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. And we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Who is advising you? Armstrong and Getty.